0: You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate, and for this week, I... Wanted to touch on that connection that we have with our spouse and where the connection is. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, as maybe you are as well, or at least in a few. And a lot of the groups I'm in are around, you know, motherhood, just different things for moms, working moms, you know, just women right some some women groups and mom groups and various different themes to them and i in the past week i have seen a lot of posts of women asking for prayers and support because their spouse or maybe fiance isn't like it just isn't being nice and said i don't want you to criticize him i just need prayers I don't want you to tell me that I should leave him. I just, you know, need help on how to, you know, approach the situation. And I commend these women for wanting to work it out, right? It's always, I mean, nowadays with the divorce as just, you know, this quote unquote easy option, people just think, yeah, okay, if it's not working out, I'll just get a divorce. And I don't believe that's the right approach personally. So I commend these women for wanting advice and the support and wanting to figure out a solution. So I think that, you know, first and foremost is a great thing when you're in a relationship and you're in this marriage where uh, some things aren't working and you'd like improvements, finding solution is always a way to solve what's going on. Now, a lot of times These issues that are coming up or the the sticking points and the arguments and the disconnect, they're coming up because of something deeper. You know, we've shared, Tanner, myself, us together in interviews, like time and time again, we come back to the fact that you are two people in the marriage coming from two different backgrounds, even if there's some similarities, they're different backgrounds. They're different parents that raised you and you're two different people coming together to merge a life, you know, as God shares with us that, you know, it's to become one in marriage, right? It is a sacred covenant and you become one, but what we don't get is, well, how do we merge these two kinds of people? You know, that is definitely easier said than done. And Tanner and I have certainly gone through that. We have found the first few years of marriage just super challenging. Finding how we can become one and work together to have one household in sync. And especially since we come from a blended family, right? You know, I'm a stepmom. And so not having been a part of it from the beginning, you know has has its challenges as well. So we are two people coming into one. And so the first thing that I would say when it comes to connection with your spouse. And this goes for the husbands and the wives, right? Wherever you are, you know, you're listening, you're at this point in your life, you're in this place in your life for a reason and and you're here. So let's just own the current place that you're in. And that's okay with whatever's going on, good or bad. It's okay. Accept it. Say, cool. Now, what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to make improvements, make changes that help me live the life that I have dreamt about and that I desire. And the first step into that, to make that improvement, to, to deepen the connection is to get connected with yourself. As I was just saying, you're two different people coming from different backgrounds. So we learn different things. You know, our parents did the best that they knew how to do. I believe that, you know, they learned from their parents. And then, you know, and that's why there's sort of this seven generation deep. You know, what happens in one generation affects seven generations forward, right? So you think like, God, man, I'm like, I'm affected by my great grandparents are everyone to say it, right? And how deep I want to go. And that is also a place that you can come in and say, what is happening right now in my home is not only affecting my kids and and maybe my grandkids that I, I will see, you know, and grow with, but then my great grandkids and great grand, you know, and it goes down seven generations deep, you know, so there's some science behind this, that you want to work on the things that aren't Going well for you right now because this will have that generational, or I should say, remove that generational curse, you know? So get connected with yourself. This is number one. You know, what do you want? And then why do you want that? And I've seen so many things around business and personal development kind of stuff and, you know, self help type things. And on numerous occasions, I hear. Of this sort of exercise to do of like, well, what do I want? Okay, why do I want that? And then you write an answer, Well, why do I want that? And why do you write that answer? And then why do I want that? And you keep going down the why list. Well, why? And it sounds like, you know, the annoying toddler asking you why all the time, but there's such a there's such a thing to learn from the toddler who's who constantly asks why. And we as adults don't do that enough because we just sort of accept what is the current when we can actually allow ourselves to get to the root of what is going on. Well, why am I upset that this happens? Because I feel like, you know, I asked him to do it and he didn't do it. Okay. But why does that bother you so much? Because I don't feel like he's listening to me. Okay. Well, why if he's not listening to you, why does that bother you so much? Well, because... I, I I wasn't listened to as a child and I'm going to just share it like that's actually a personal experience. I growing up did not feel like my family listened and I have a great loving family and a great connection with my parents and my sister but as I look back at my childhood I struggled to have a voice, I struggled to be able to communicate what I wanted and for my family to actually hear me and listen. And so constantly being interrupted and not, you know, having to repeat myself and, you know, just these things, right. Which I think is sometimes a common thing for a wife, right? Like the husband's not listening and the wife is like, yeah, you don't hear me. You're not paying attention to me. And so therefore I don't feel appreciated and I don't feel valued. And I mean like, man, it can go down that road so deep. And where does it come from? Well, I know it comes now. I didn't know this in the beginning, but now You know, I did some work and I figured out like, well, I answered that question. Why over and over again and get to the root of like, well, what is this really about? When we get to the root of the problem, the root of the issue, we can then find solutions. So to get connected with your spouse, you got to know what's going on with you. And not everyone wants to do that work. So I really do encourage you to take that step into like, okay, what's going on? Some of these stories that I hear of these women in the Facebook groups that I was mentioning earlier, like I said, I commend them for wanting to find solutions and figure things out. I also wonder why are they allowing their husbands or you know their partner treat them that way? Like if I was with a guy and I've been, so, and I, I'll tell you, like, I've been with guys dating through, you know, my adult years with God. And I don't, I almost just want to, I want to call them guys. Cause I don't even feel like they were men, but guys, and they didn't treat me well. And I finally got to a point, well, that's on me. Cause I'm allowing them to treat me that way. Because I'm not putting my foot down. I'm not telling them that it's unacceptable. I'm not, my behavior, actions, words, like are not in alignment with telling them this is not okay. I can argue with them and I can yell at them. I'm like, why did you say that? And just get really upset. But that doesn't actually put the stake in the ground and say, no, you do not get to treat me this way you do not get to use these words with me. And we don't do that enough. And granted there may be a general you know a generalization that the women are more in that position where they kind of they end up tolerating how their men are treating, but it definitely goes the other way. I have friends and I know people where the guy is a good guy. He wants, he wants to treat her well, and she's just nasty. And you get to a place of like, why do you tolerate it? So where does that come from? Get connected with yourself. Where does that come from? Why do you allow it? Is it what you saw your parents do, or maybe your grandparents or relatives? What, where is it coming from? And I like, it's not easy work but it's necessary to break the cycle. And especially if you have kids, because I'm telling you, your kids are watching that and they are learning that behavior is okay. And i just hands down say, stop the cycle. Now, finding solutions, figuring out how you can work together. You know, these are all important steps, but it has to start first with how you're gonna get connected with yourself of what you want. You know, you want him to take out the garbage or help out more and, you know, give the kid a bath once in a while. And so it's not always on your shoulders, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I I sometimes go through that too. Even with Tanner, I'm like, dude, I just did like everything this whole week. Like, where were you? (laughs) You know, I mean, I've, but he's also a very present father. And so I know that usually when that happens, something else is going on. And so I'm like, let's talk. But what I've also come to realize is when I'm in that place where I'm very frustrated, like everything is on my shoulders and I've done everything and I'm, yo, you know, where are you? I need you to step in. It's usually also coming from a place that like, I don't feel valued. I feel unappreciated. I'm lonely. I'm like, where's my husband? I want my connection with you, right? So think about that also. Like those are the underlining feelings that are going on. It's not that he didn't take out the trash. It's that you're like, you're having an underlining feeling and then recognize that feeling and then say, okay, when was the first time I felt that way? And you got to look back. You got to be able to look back to heal it and be able to move forward. Tanner and I are both of the mindset that yes, we have to look back in the past for things to understand where it comes from so that then we can heal it, process it, let it go, and create a new future. We don't wanna live in the past. We don't wanna hang there and wallow. That's what I did for over a decade and why I suffered with depression. My life wasn't the way I thought it was gonna be, so I I had these expectations that weren't met. And I was living in the past and it kept me depressed. So it's, this is, you know, I had made a post on my socials about a week ago. And I said that I healed my depression naturally. I overcame depression naturally. And that was one of the first steps that I did. I'll probably have to do a whole uh, episode on how I overcame depression, which I'll put on the list for topics. But but that re- that was the first thing I had to look back in my past and be like, where is all this stuff coming from? Like and say, okay, it's okay, Lord. It's okay that these things didn't work out. I don't have to live in it in in the past and these expectations anymore. I can let it. I like I can let it go. It's okay. I'm in control now, and I can choose something different. And, uh, and that wasn't something that happened overnight, but it was definitely a, a journey that I chose to go on to get rid of it. And that was just one step that I did in overcoming depression naturally. So number two, I'm gonna give you three things in building this and an improving connection with your spouse. Number two is be generous. Be generous with your heart, your words, your actions. And it may be really hard to do when you feel like you're doing everything. You feel like you're making the effort and you're not getting anything in return. Remember though, love is unconditional. True love is unconditional. And it's really hard. I mean, I sometimes have to stop myself and be like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm looking for something in return you know, and there's some sort of expectation on the other side of it. And I have to catch myself. So it's still a practice. I don't, and quite frankly, as a human being, I don't know that you ever really master it. You know, (laughs) it's probably a lifelong journey to be mindful of unconditional love and to be generous with that love. Now, I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying being, be taken advantage of, you know, there's, there is a point where it's like, You know, stand up for yourself again, going back to what I said and how your partner may be talking to you or treating you. You don't have to tolerate it. This idea of tolerance oh, we have to be more tolerant of everyone. No, you don't, actually. I personally don't believe you have to tolerate certain things that you don't like or that you don't believe in. I like, I just don't. You can love them from afar. I love you as a human being. I love you as another child of God, but I don't actually have to tolerate what you're doing because I don't like it. And that can go for your spouse. It can go for friends, other people that you know, acquaintances, maybe a new person you meet. Like love them for being a child of God, but you do not have to tolerate certain things. You'd be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to be nice to you because I'm a nice person. I'm going to be nice to you because I believe in kindness, but I don't actually have to tolerate what you're doing and what you're about. So cool. We don't have to be friends. You know, like it's just, that's to me, it's become very simple. And again, that's a work in progress especially if you've got people in your life that you're like you know what they're kind of toxic i need to get rid of them it's hard to get rid of them you know and it creates a lot of discomfort and we as human beings don't like discomfort which is why we stay in the we stay in the current that may be uncomfortable but it's a uncomfortable that we know when it's an uncomfortable that we don't know then we don't move in action Because we're afraid of the unknown and the uncertainty. I mean, heck, we all were challenged with accepting uncertainty when we went into a a global pandemic, right? Like we had to get clear on how we were going to handle it. And some people did better than others. I mean, it's definitely these last, you know, 18 months really have been hard on a lot of people. And some people did better because they're like, you know what? This is out of my control. This is uncertain. And so I accept the uncertainty. And so I'm going to be able to handle life with the things that I actually have control over. So some people just, you know, little side tangent, but uncertainty is hard. It is hard. But when you can get to a place of accepting the uncomfortable and the uncertainty, and just focus on the things that you actually have control over, it can lower yourself down a little bit to feel calmer and feel more in control of what's going on around you uh, when the other things are are sort of out of control so 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 but really, the number two is to be generous. I know it can be hard to do when when we're when we feel like we've made all the efforts but what I'm going to challenge you to do is let's say you are the person you're listening right now and you are the person that's just doing everything and you're just spent and you're just, you're over it then. But you want that connection. Like you're not over it to the point of like, Hey, I'm out of this relationship, but you're just, you're over the fact that you're doing everything. What if you start doing one thing with just absolute generosity what if you start doing one thing that you just approach it with a different mindset and say, you know what? Normally I'm doing this feeling pretty resentful, but today I'm going to do it with absolute joy because you know what? I can. There are times where I will do something that I really don't like to do. And and I'll tell you, dishes are definitely a thing that I do not enjoy. I had so many apartments in my, my single life and living in New York, dishwashers are hard to come by in these apartments. It's just not, it's not standard. You know, you're paying a more premium rent for the apartment that has the dishwasher. So most of my apartments did not have dishwashers. And the last apartment I, so the my last two apartments, the last one I was in without a dishwasher, it was literally the corner of a room that was my kitchen. Like that's how tiny it was and i mean i didn't even have counter space to put the clean dishes like it was just atrocious and i hated doing dishes so when i moved out of that place i said a dishwasher is actually non-negotiable i am going to find an apartment that has a dishwasher and so funny my my realtor actually found me an apartment that had all the criteria except a dishwasher and i loved it and it was in a great location i was like oh my gosh this place is awesome. I even went back and said, can they put in a dishwasher? You know? And, and so we were like, I mean, it was a great apartment. And I told my realtor that I have to pass. I need a dishwasher. And he was like, really, this is a great apartment. It's so spacious. There's so much light. It's got all the other things. And I'm like, you don't understand what I've been through in all my past apartments with not having a dishwasher. I'm sorry. It's a non-negotiable. I want a dishwasher. Keep looking for me. And I told him to keep looking. And sure enough, we did. Uh, slightly different location, but I had found a great building and my apartment had a dishwasher. So now I move into a home, I'm married, and we have a dishwasher. In fact, we actually just got a new dishwasher because our old one broke. And I'm still at that sink daily. And it drives me insane. I hate it. I, there's just, I do not like being hovered over a sink washing dishes. It drives me up a wall. But I started to take the approach of, but this is my family. I actually get to do dishes. I know some moms who are sick in the hospital right now and can't even see their kids or hug them or play with them, let alone do dishes. I bet they would be so happy to get out of the hospital and do dishes for their family. And know that they're healthy and they're well, and they could do that. And I just started to shift my mind and be like, yeah, I don't have to like this. And you know what? I don't have to like doing dishes for the rest of my life, but I am going to do them because I'm a mom and I'm a wife. I've got kids who count on me. I make up some of those dirty dishes and it's okay. So I came in to it in a different way. I have asked Tanner to also help out more with the dishes. We're teaching our kids to be able to help out more with the dishes so we're all responsible for something and it's lightening the load for me. But I'm always gonna have, I'm, I'm gonna end up having dishes for the rest of my life. And God willing, I'm gonna be healthy enough to stand at that sink until I'm 100 doing dishes. And that is something to rejoice in. So I've switched my mentality. So if you feel like you're doing everything, start doing at least one thing with more of that generous heart, that unconditional love, switch your mindset, change your attitude about it. The other thing that you can do also, or just little other, you know, things that may be a way to connect with your spouse and having that generous heart is write a little sticky note that says, I love you. Or a sticky note or a love note that says, thank you for, and acknowledge something that, you know, your spouse is doing. Even if it's like the one thing, or maybe like he's not doing anything or she's not doing anything in the house that's really helping out, but your spouse is going to work. Thank you for working so hard for our family. Say thank you. Do little sticky notes or a little love note. Do things that, you know, your spouse likes. Like sometimes I like it when I'm not waking up and having to make the coffee. So if Tanner gets up and actually makes the pot of coffee, then it's just a nice treat. I don't have to do it. Or I know that he likes when I come over and I just give him little, you know, tickles on the back while he's sitting at the desk. I can just go over and just, kind of scratches back and gives some nice soft tickles. Oh, that feels so good. He knows that like I hold so much in my shoulders that he'll come over sometimes while I'm doing the dishes and he'll massage my back a little bit, you know, just kind of get those thumbs in and, you know, get into, you know, my shoulder blades or whatever, right? And so just those little things to help show that you care. Sometimes my husband and I will, Like we'll pass each other in the kitchen and we'll just slide our hand across the other's body and just be like, I'm touching you. Physical touch is such a great way to connect. So be generous with your actions. Do some of those little things that you know your spouse will like. And when you do it with a grateful heart and a generous heart, it'll start to shift how the other one is showing up. And if it doesn't over, and granted, this is not over, you know, this happens over time. So just know that it's not like, oh, you do it once and things are going to change. Like you got to commit to it. Right. But in time, you will start to see a shift in your spouse. And if you don't, then you can start to say, okay, I have switched how I approach this and it, it like it's not working. And then that might lead to a heavier conversation. But it might also just lead to a conversation that you can have with him or her and say, hey, this is how I feel. When you do, this is what comes up for me. Can we work on how we can find some middle ground? And if you started in a way where you're like, look, I know this is going to be a hard conversation. It might be uncomfortable. And I recognize that. But I love you, and I want to find a resolution. I want to find a way that we can work together on on this. And then it just helps them take you, you know take off take out the um, take them off the defense, right? Because you're coming in saying you're recognizing that it's it's difficult. It's going to be a difficult conversation, and you're also saying in a loving way that like you want to find a solution. So that's the way to kind of get around that. And then the third thing to help with that connection and improved connection is to plan a date night. I don't know how often you do date nights, and especially when you have young kids, it's really hard to plan, and especially also out of a pandemic. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of states start to open up. We're here in Colorado and we're pretty much clear and things are are pretty much lifted in, in most cases. So, we're, you know, we are very blessed in that sense and the way the state is operating. I know that's not the case for every state, but we're starting to see things open up and be able to go out and, and, you know, live life. Right. So we're starting to see that happen. And that's a great thing. Right. So you might be feeling more comfortable to, to be out. So, so planning a date night is a little bit more, well, it's just a little easier now than it was, you know, a few months ago or last year. Right. So when you've got kids, small kids, it's hard to make a point to make that happen. And, you know, and figuring out a babysitter and things like that but I really encourage you to start doing it. Even if you can only do it like once a month, just start it once a month and just plan, Hey, here's when we're going to do date night. And if it's, and, and again, it could also be a uh, like a lunch date, you know? Maybe your kids are in school and I know we're going into summer months and maybe they've got camps or things going on. And so they might be out of the house. You know, our kids are in, the young ones are in preschool. The oldest is is in school, also in person, but now we'll be out for the summer. And so we're finding camps that are around and things that she can do throughout the summertime. So like, you know, they, they'll be out of the house. And so sometimes Tanner and I will just take a lunch date together and make a lunch date kind of plan. And we've also been purposeful to find a babysitter. We found resources where we were able to inquire who might be willing to you know, make some extra money and and help out with the kids. I mean, our very first babysitter after Charlotte was born was the receptionist at our chiropractor office. We had just become friendly with her going in there every week. And I needed someone, Charlotte was three months old, my first time mom. And I'm like, I have no family or friends out in Colorado. Like, who am I going to leave my baby with for a day? Like Tanner and I had a had an event that we actually booked, you know, before Charlotte was born. I mean, granted she, you know, I was pregnant, but we didn't really think it was going to be an issue to find someone to care for Charlotte. And here we are like a couple of weeks out. and I'm like, oh my God, who's going to watch Charlotte? You know? And so I started with the receptionist at my chiropractor office. So think outside the box of like, who you know, ask them who maybe they know so that you can feel comfortable with someone who's coming into your house to watch your kids and plan some kind of date, right? Like just be purposeful. And what I would suggest is to plan something that is of the interest of your spouse. Not what you wanna do for a date night, do something that he or she wants to do for the date night, right? That's more of an interest for your spouse. Because that will help them see you care, you're being thoughtful, you're finding a way to connect with you know, with them. And so that's really important to show that unconditional love. I love you so much. I'm planning a date night of something that you will enjoy, not so much that I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to enjoy it because I know it makes you happy, right? Tanner did that actually for me when a few months ago when things were still fairly shut down, but, but there were certain things that were starting to open up and there was this candlelight music event thing. And actually I think it's, it happens across the country. So you just need to search for it, but candlelight, I think it's called candlelight events. And so we had this venue more downtown Denver that opened up had social distancing going on, you know, the mask requirements and all of that. And you watched musicians play all by candlelight. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And granted, it was, you know, it was more like classical music. You know, I'm a hard rock girl, right? <laughs> but I, but to hear live music after so many months of not being able to do that and to just know that he was thoughtful because he knows I like live music. And I do like all, like, I, I like most genres, most, and not all, but most genres. So to just see someone sit there with like a cello and a violin, and you know, I'm just like, oh, this is beautiful. Like the talent that these people had was just amazing. And we got to just get out away from the kids and enjoy something that was just peaceful and beautiful, right? So he thought of me in planning that date night. Right. So, so I want you to think of it from that place. Again, this brings in that generosity, that generous love that you can provide. So these are ways to improve and connect with your spouse. When you feel like you're just kind of butting heads, don't forget to to have the conversations with them though. Understand You know, what's going on with you first, so that, and and writing that down and just using a notebook to just kind of journal that stuff down. I recommend, you know, doing that first so that you can be clear on your thoughts when you come into conversation with your spouse, right? So, understanding that the why, like be a toddler and continue to ask yourself why. Number two is just be generous with your actions and your words, do things more from a generous heart and then plan that date night, make time for each other. People don't take time to nurture their marriage. And so they get lost in the day-to-day of work and kids and life and other family members and friends dramas. And like, they forget themselves as a couple. I mean, we know another couple, literally like, again, another like 25, 30 year marriage And they're getting divorced kids are grown they're out of the house their connection isn't deep isn't strong and they're separating right i mean we see it more and it's because they haven't taken that time to continue to deepen the connection so there it's always one person that has to start And if you're listening to this, then that's you start and make that decision that you are going to strengthen your marriage. And if I'll put in a little side number four here, that if you're in a place where your connection with your spouse is so bad, I mean, you're thinking of divorce, like you're thinking like you got to get out or maybe you're not even thinking that, but it's just bad. Like you guys are just not talking, right? Like the connection just really isn't there. And you maybe only talk about the schedule, right? Like there's just minimal stuff going on with how you guys interact with each other. So if you're really at that place, my little side note is go back to number one and get connected with you, right? And just remember that understanding what you want, why you want it, where is it coming from? What are the underlying feelings that are happening here? You know, like get clear on that, and then ask for a conversation and again, use that approach of like, Hey, I know this is going to be a hard conversation, but I love you. And I want to find a resolution. We might not find it in just one conversation. So I ask that we can, you know, if we can continue it, if we need to, but we need to start somewhere because this is weighing on me and I love you. And I want that connection. I want to be able to work through this and ask for that conversation. So just know that if you're really in a bad place and you're like, we are so far from a date night, then go back to number one and ask for a conversation and start talking through things. One of the vows that I made a few months ago, this was uh, sometime last year, maybe mid last year. And I read this book, The Gracious Woman. And it's all about The Godly Woman of Proverbs 31. And I just love this book. It was really life changing. And one of the things that I took from it was that I was not going to yell anymore in our disagreements. I didn't want that going into the marriage because I, Tanner and I both had that so much with like screaming matches and whatnot from our previous relationships. So we both knew that we didn't want these yelling matches in arguments when we got married. But in that first year of marriage, it was so hard. We were yelling at each other. We were back to old ways. And it wasn't until last year after reading that I said, you know what? I commit to not yelling. It's not how I want to show up. It's not what I want to teach my kids. We can disagree, but I'm going to make sure that I'm going to stay calmer through all the things that are upsetting me and work on bettering how I can communicate what's going on to him so that we can find resolution. So just get very clear and committed. You know, how are you going to show up? What are you going to do? You're the one that's listening to this podcast, looking for that deeper connection. What's the first step? you're gonna do that will set the trajectory and the change for the future. And I'd love to hear from you, or if you've got questions or something specific's coming up, feel free to text us, 720-459-4219. Thank you so much for being a part of the One Relationship. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now. And we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the contact us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more Real Talk on The One Relationship.